Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. All right. That's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm going to do. Man. My emotions are whack today. That's all I can say. I don't know if it's because, you know, I got some friends that showed up unexpected. Thank you very much. Or if it's because I just don't deserve to be here. That's all I can say. And, man, Margaret got me, Dad. (laughs) I'm not supposed to be the crier. That's supposed to be my dad. But here we are. It's just humbling that I am up here. Man, I've been sitting in these seats for a long time. And it's amazing that you guys came here today to hear the word preached. And today, that's my job. It's amazing that that's my job today. And I just can't believe that I'm here. So thank you, Pastor Pat, for the ceremony and for the plaque and everything. I'm excited to be here. And thank you, Bethesda, for believing in me to be a commissioned minister. And I'm going to do the very best that I can in every way. So I'm more than happy to be here. So, and I want to say, for those of you who are online, I just want you to know, I got people listening in Ohio, and I got people listening all the way to Tennessee. You know, they might be my brothers, but hey, I got people all over the globe. So, what's up, guys? So, let's get started by prayer. I just need to pray. We're going to invite the Lord to be with us this morning. God, we thank you so much. Lord, that we're able to open up your word today. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word, Lord, a fresh way. Lord, we're going through a familiar passage, but Lord, open up the text. Lord, show us what's inside of it, Lord, so that we can live lives that honor you more and more. Lord, I just pray that, um, Lord, you be with me as I speak, but Lord, you be with every ear here. Lord, they would listen, their ears would be open, and they'd be willing to listen to what you have to say this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you in and we're excited to see what you're gonna do this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen, amen. Well, I wanna start by saying, have you ever been lured into a get-rich-quick scheme before? You ever been there before? You know, not too long ago, my wife Taylor and I, we were shopping at a local grocery store. I'm not gonna throw any names under the bus here. But we were in the parking lot and all of a sudden a man approached us and he said, hey, you know, hey, your license plate, you, you got a Christian verse on your license plate. And I said, yeah, wow, I'm going to share Jesus with this guy. And so he proceeded to tell me that he went to a local church and he proceeded to tell me, hey, you know what, I'm actually uh, a financial mentor. And I was like, wow, you know, we're looking for a mentor. We could use the help. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to meet with this guy. We're going to see what it's all about. And so he gave me a book that I needed to read about getting rich. And um, I should have known then, but he gave me a book to read about getting rich. And then he, he had this meeting with me and I was kind of excited. You know, I was a little creeped out, but I was also like, well, we were praying about it. So maybe it's God. So for a month, you know, I was kind of like, this may be good. It might be really bad. You know, I'm going to kind of tread lightly. Then a month later, at another local grocery store, the same brand, all of a sudden, you know, this guy and a different person showed up and he said, hey, I like your headphones, man. And I said, wow, thanks, you know, these are great. And so I showed him my headphones and then he started to tell me how he was a financial mentor. I was like, wait a second, 
this sounds a little bit familiar. And this man started to tell me about, you know, the business that they were running. And I, and I proceeded to walk him walk all the way. I watched him walk all the way around the local grocery store and get a lot of people that look just like me, you know, 20s, male. They were approaching everybody and saying, hey, we can be your financial mentor. And I ended up looking it up. And it's not exactly a financial mentorship. It's something quite different that, and I realized I should probably get out before I actually get in too deep. But anyways, I was a little bit disappointed because, you know, I thought I was going to get rich quick. You know, I thought, Taylor, I thought we were going on vacations. I thought we were going to have a nice car, all these things. Well, we do not go on vacations, but, you know, still driving a cobalt. But anyways, um, you know, I realized this was a business and getting rich quick doesn't really work. It doesn't really work ever. You know, and maybe some of you have kind of, you know, gotten into some of those things where maybe, you know, they got your credit card information. Maybe they got something that you wish they didn't have at this point. You know, maybe some of you even are kind of, um, you know, interested in playing the lottery. I know the odds are one in 303 million, but today's my day, right? Today's the day I'm going to win 150 million. And so today, as we're talking about this get rich quick idea, You know, I wanted to give you a secret when it comes to Christianity. And here is the secret. There is no get rich quick with faith, right? And and I wish I could say, you know what? Here it is. One, two, three. You're going to be rich in faith. You're going to be full of faith. You're going to be healing people left and right. But it's not quite like that when it comes to scripture. And so that's what we're going to be talking about as we hear that Jesus is the vine and that we are the branches. It's more like a long-term relationship, a long-term marriage or a long-term career, right? For those of you who've been married 40, 50 years, it wasn't one simple thing that you did, that you're still married, that you're still in love. It's that day after day after day grind that you get up, you tell your spouse, I love you, and you serve them day after day. And so today we are, again, examining a very familiar passage, and we're going back to the fundamentals, all right? And the thing about this is this is the most, probably the most simple passage to understand. I don't think anybody today is going to say, what does that mean? He's the vine and I'm the branch. It's a very self-evident uh, theme that's running through scripture here, but it's very hard to do. And so today we're going to be talking about fruit. And so as we jump in today, I want you to have a picture in your mind as we're going through this. You know, I'm a very visual learner and I didn't bring anything with me because I think we can all create better pictures in our own head. So I want you to think about fresh fruit, right? Pretend it's October and you're going to the local apple orchard. You know, and you, you take that tractor all the way out and you're, you got your bushel, you know, you paid the big bucks for this big bushel and you're taking home about a hundred apples. And when you're there, you know, you start picking apples. And I know when I go, you know, I probably have twice the amount of apples that I take home because I actually like ate like 10 while I was there. You know, I take one bite, chuck it in the woods. Another bite, chuck it in the woods. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. But I want you to pick, picture this, this, you know, when you're at that orchard, you take a bite into the freshest apple. Nothing like a grocery store, right from the tree. And at the same time, I want you to have a, a picture in your mind of, of an apple that didn't go so well, you know? You know that mushy apple that you bit into and it, and it makes you want to spit it out. You know, the one with like maybe a wormhole or maybe there's a worm in there. I've never actually seen a worm in an apple but apparently that happens if there's a wormhole. I don't know, maybe that's a cartoon thing, but I think it's real. And I, I, 
I'm grateful to God I've never bitten into a worm before. So as we have this picture of this beautiful fruit, this one that tastes so good and is juicy, and then on the other side, we got this warm, nasty, mushy apple. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Do you bear fruit or do you not? There's only two options. There's only two options. And so I want to ask this as we start. If you had uh, to examine your life honestly, how well are you doing at bearing fruit right now? You know, are you a pruned, healthy tree that's producing good fruit? Are you an old tree that was planted decades ago and you haven't produced a good piece of fruit in years? Maybe you're just hanging on with one leaf. You're, you're half alive. You're not sure. Should we cut that tree down? I'm not sure if it's alive or not. Where are you at today? And so let's jump into this text. It's John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to join me in John chapter 15. We are going to have the verses on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, open up John chapter 15. And so as we are um, looking at these scriptures, I want to say, first of all, that, you know, just a couple weeks ago, we, we heard from John 14, right? And this is Jesus's last statements before he's uh, uh, being betrayed. This is called the farewell discourse. And so Jesus says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then a chapter later, now Jesus is still talking to his closest disciples, right? His closest pals. He's, he's not talking to the masses where he doesn't know if people are saved. He's talking to those who have been following Jesus for three years. And it's interesting. He's not talking to his 12 disciples. He's talking to his 11 disciples because Judas has just left. Judas has left and he is currently betraying Jesus as we're reading this text, right? Judas is doing that right now. He's bringing in an army and, and Jesus now has things he's got to say to his disciples because the time that he has is waning. Amen. And so this is the last I am statement in the book of John. This is the last one that he says. It's probably important if it's the last words that he says before he's betrayed, arrested, and crucified. So let's jump in. This is going to be our first three verses. They say this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And let's stop there. I'm gonna have three points today. The first point today is that only the healthy remain on the vine. All right, only the healthy remain on the vine. And so Jesus starts by saying, I am the, the vine. No, he says, I am the true vine. You know, and as we think about vines, you know, you never question whether a vine, you know, on a gate or on a fence is a true vine. It just is or it's not. But Jesus says, I am the true vine. What does he mean? And it's interesting. If you go back into Isaiah and you see uh, God actually for a long time called Israel the vine or the vineyard, right? And, and back in the days of Isaiah, God was not too happy. That's why Isaiah was doing what he was doing. And Israel was rebelling. They were not listening to God. And God says, you know what? I'm not the vine dresser anymore. He's saying, you know, I'm just gonna let the, I'm just gonna let the thorns grow. I'm just gonna let the vines go wherever it's gonna go and I'm out. So we have this picture of Israel being this vine that God had planted, but it didn't succeed, right? It didn't succeed at all. And, and God 
eventually took his hand off of Israel in that way. And so now Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. So you got to understand that these Israelite people for a long time had understood that Israel was this vine that they had to be plugged into, connected to their, to their uh, Israelite heritage, to Judaism, right? For a long time, they saw this idea, this Judaism, this religious thing as the vine. And now Jesus is all of a saying, he's all of a sudden saying, I'm the vine. And so there's this, in John 15, everything is changing. It's going from the old covenant to the new covenant as Jesus is speaking. He's saying, no longer are you connected to Israel. Now you're connected to me. I'm the true vine. And so I have, this is called the scene change. The true vine is in the building, all right? This is a scene change. Now we got a new vine. Israel out, Jesus in. Judaism out, Jesus in. And so he's talking about, you know, pruning. And I called my friend. It just so happens that I have a friend who grew up on a grape farm, all right? So I have inside information on grapes, And I want to tell you a little bit about these grapes is that I said, hey, what happens if you don't trim the vines? You know, obviously they're going to overgrow. But something that was interesting that I would have never guessed is that even if it's producing lots and lots of fruit, if a vine is overgrown, it doesn't have enough sugar to actually get into all the grapes. So every grape tastes not sugary enough. You know, so it's I don't know how to say that in a agricultural way. I'm just saying it's not sugary enough. It's no good. And so these grapes are no good. And so even though it's producing lots and lots of fruit, you know, the farmer still prunes it back so that it'll bear better fruit. It's like working a muscle, right? When you work out, right? There's, there's going to be pain, but that pain causes that uh, production. And so the trees are the same way. You got to cut it for even more production. And so I thought something that was interesting here in uh, verse two is that Jesus says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You know, as we're thinking about this orchard, you know, it's easy to walk around the orchard and see like, you know, there might be like a nasty looking tree, but they'll probably have that place roped off because they don't want you to see that. But there are trees that look just fine, but you realize they actually have no apples on them at all. They're not bearing any fruit. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't say, you know, God cuts down the nasty trees. God simply says he cuts down the trees that are unfruitful. And so I think that this could mean that, you know what? We might look like we're a healthy tree, but the the measuring stick that God is using is not, do you look good on the outside? It's, are you producing fruit, right? And that's what Jesus says, unfruitful branches are gonna be thrown away. And so the disciples are currently experiencing this, right? There's 11 left, one has just left. And they're probably thinking, oh yeah, you know, I guess so. Like Judas looked like an apple tree but it turns out he wasn't bearing any fruit. And so I have here, this is a reality check to us, right? If one of the disciples who saw Jesus do miracles daily and heard him teaching from the very, you know, they heard this teaching from the mouth of the son of God, if he could still bear fruit or still fail to bear fruit, you know, I want to say that don't think by sitting in this building, this is not, this is not fun to hear, but don't think that by sitting in this building, you're automatically bearing fruit right? This is not bearing fruit. We are, we are being fed so that we can produce fruit, but this is not bearing fruit. You know, don't think it's your membership, your baptism, your catechism completion, that's enough. Bearing fruit is a present reality, not a past completion, right? Bearing fruit is present reality. Don't think by being a commissioned minister, you're producing fruit. That's not what it is. 
There's a man named D.A. Carson. He says this, we see often in the New Testament, men and women with some degree of connection with Jesus or with the Christian church who by failing to persevere, they finally testify that the transforming life of Christ has never pulsated within them. Think about that. Is that happening to you? Is the transforming life of Christ pulsating within you? Is it every breath you breathe? Is it your heartbeat? You know, that life of Christ. So that's the bad branches. On the other side, the, fruit bro- the fruitful branches are pruned so that it bears even more. It's interesting that, you know, if it's just producing, you wouldn't just leave it, but it actually has to be pruned so that it'll produce even more and even better fruit. And this word that Jesus uses for prune actually means to clean, right? It can mean clean or to prune. And so it's actually, this, this pruning actually causes cleanness. How many want to be clean today? You know? Man, if there's anything in me, I want to be pruned. I want to be clean, right? Even the the little maybe sprouts that pop up, God, I want to be clean. Prune that out of me. And I say that if you feel like you're being pruned, I think probably some people in this room, man, I must be being pruned. I must be. Life is tough right now. I want to say this. Count yourself blessed. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says this, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Not popular, right? Not popular. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. He prunes the one that's already bearing fruit so that it can produce even more and even better fruit. And I think the beauty of God lies in that. He he uses human agents to produce fruit, right? God doesn't have to trust us. I don't know why he does. You know, we're, we're fallible human beings. I can't believe I'm up here. God, what are you doing? You could probably send something better than me. That's the beauty of God. He, he uses failed human beings. Consider the humility of God, right? Using fallen people to produce fruit for his vineyard. The branches derive their life from the vine, but the vine produces its fruit through the branches, right? There's this, there's this connection. And so, um, You know, I think God has done a lot of pruning, you know, in individual lives, but I think he's doing a lot of pruning through COVID, even in the church, right? How many programs are we not even able to hold anymore? We'll see if they come back. We'll see what God actually wants. You know, I'm not saying that just because we can't meet, it must be God's will, you know? I mean, well, everything is God's will, but, you know, just because we can't hold certain programs doesn't mean that they're evil or anything like that, but God is pruning, right? And I hope that in your life over the past five months now of quarantine, I hope that you've seen some pruning take place. I hope that you've seen some things that maybe needed to go and maybe God has dealt with them in your life. And so we kind of have this fear, right? This, this verse two, you know, it's talking about, man, am I producing fruit? You know, as I'm reading this, it makes me a little bit fearful. Am I producing fruit? Am I, or am I not producing fruit? Am I gonna get cut off or, or am, I, am I good? And I think verse three Um, brings us comfort. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, in verse three, it says this, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You know, you, the followers of Jesus, the true Christians in here, the ones who are remaining with Jesus day after day, you are already clean, right? It's It's not to scare us silly, right? Jesus is speaking to his disciples, those who are following him. He says, you're good, you're good, but keep producing fruit. Keep remaining in me. And so I think we should have a healthy fear. We need to continue to produce fruit today. But at the same time, I don't want anybody leaving, you know, 
especially if you know you're saved, I don't want you leaving thinking, ah, you know, God's gonna cut me off at any second. It's not like that. You're already clean because of the word of God, because of the word that Jesus has spoken. So only the healthy remain on the vine. You know, bad branches get cut off, good branches get pruned for more production. And so you, you're good branches, right? You're to the disciples. And so here's what we gotta do with that. If you're saying, I'm good, I'm already clean, here's what we need to do. And it's verses four through seven. It says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, He's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. You know, the life of the branch is in the vine and the life of the vine is in this branch, right? Jesus has this beautiful partnership with his people, with his church, with you. Imagine that. The way that Jesus works things out in this world is through you, through the church. And the way that we have the power to do what we're supposed to do is because we're connected with him. You know, the strength of the wolf is in the pack and the strength of the pack is within the wolf, right? It's kind of that same connection. And I think one of the most comforting things in this passage is that Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. You know, Jesus doesn't leave us hanging and says, you know, abide in me and produce much fruit and maybe you won't get cut off. Oh, wow, that's scary. But he says, abide in me and I'll be in you and I'll be the one producing the fruit inside of you. His disciples must've been confused, right? Jesus is sitting right in front of them. What in the world does it mean to remain in you? Well, you're, you're just a guy, you're just sitting in front of me. And it must've been even more confused when in, a day later, Jesus was dead. But we know that uh, things worked out well. <laughs> Jesus came back to life. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. Now he lives inside of his believers, all right? So we know what that means. They must've been freaking out, but thankfully we're on the other side of things. And I will say one of the most ironic things right here is in this middle of the passage, Pastor Pat, you gave me this passage on the first time I've ever preached on this stage. And the first time I'm, well, the only time I'll be a commission minister, I suppose. You gave me this passage and in the middle of it, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, okay, all right. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's why I'm just so humbled to be up here. It's nothing that I did. It's nothing that I did. It's nothing that I can possibly do. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And I hope that you see that in your own life. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Jesus doesn't mince words. He says nothing. It's interesting, the first time that I ever preached, man, I must've been on my knees all night. Lord, you gotta be with me tomorrow. Oh, I'm freaking out, God, be with me. Like, you gotta speak through me, you gotta be with the people. And then the next time I preach, maybe a little bit less, right? And then the next time, a little less. And then, you know, at some point, there was some where I was like, you know, I don't really have time to pray. I'm just gonna show up. It's interesting how when, when something feels comfortable, no longer do I... You know, you feel like I need God. But when it's something's 
you know, uncomfortable. Maybe it's the first time, uh, you know, I'm on my knees, you know, all night. <laughs> and so I, I think that can be the same way in us. Guys, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. And so honestly, me being here right now is evidence of that verse. And I can't do anything without God and neither can you. And so Spurgeon has a wonderful quote that I want to share with you. Is he's talking about how, how powerful Christ is. He says this, without me, you can do nothing. And if this is true of apostles, much more of opposers. If his friends can do nothing without him, I am sure his foes can do nothing against him. Right, think about that. If we can do nothing with the Holy Spirit inside of us without him, imagine what his foes can't do against him, right? Especially when we're operating uh, within the Holy Spirit and, and he's directing our past. Without him, you can do nothing. Imagine what the foes are thinking and imagine what they can do against him. And so the non-abiders are thrown into the fire. They're burned. It's quick, easy, done, and they're away from God. But, uh, but the abiders, on the other hand, he says, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Imagine that. If you are in the vine, if you are abiding and remaining in the vine, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. You know, does that mean a house? Does that mean a new car? I suppose we can ask. But the thing is, if we're abiding in the vine, we're gonna, our hearts are going to uh, develop into loving what he loves, right? You know, and, and maybe no longer am I so focused on, I got to get a new car, but rather, man, I just want to love the people that are around me. God, help me to have an opportunity to share my faith with somebody. You know, when that transition takes place, yeah, everything that you ask, it will be done for you. So we have this big contrast between those who are in and those who are out, cut off, burned, thrown away, away from God forever. And the other side, even just what you ask, God will do for you if you are abiding, if you're remaining in the vine. And so we bear good fruit if we remain. And so the last thing I want to share with you, verses 8 through 11, remaining produces joy through imitating Christ, right? Remaining produces joy. Let's read verses 8 through 11. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right, remaining in Christ produces joy. Anybody interested in having complete joy? Anybody? Amen. Yeah. And so the, Jesus is saying in verse eight here, you know, if you bear fruit, that's the proof that you are my disciple. If you bear fruit, that's proof. And so he actually says, you know, much fruit brings God's glory, brings God glory rather. You know, Jesus and, and, and God, he's not in the business of just having us produce just a little bit of fruit, maybe an apple a season. You know, he's in the business of having his followers produce much fruit. And when I stand before him someday, I want to be able to uh, look back on my life. And rather, I'd rather have him look back on my life and say, wow, that's a lot of fruit that was produced. Right. And I hope that's the same for you today. I hope you're not satisfied with just, you know, a little bag of apples. I hope you are looking for a whole truckload that's coming with you to heaven. All right. I hope that you are interested in much fruit and delicious fruit that that is coming behind you because you are remaining in his love. 
And so how do we remain in his love? You know, this is kind of abstract. Lord, how do I remain in you? What does that even mean? He makes it very clear for us. He says, keep the commandments, right? And one of the most important commandments, love God and love others. That's the fruit, loving God, loving others, because everything flows from these, right? We are not bound to a bunch of rules, a bunch of strict things we got to do. He says, love God, love others. If you're doing that, things fall into place. Everything flows from these. And not only that, not only are you not going to be cut off, not only will you be used by God to bear much fruit, but at the same time, he says that your joy will be complete. That means on days that things are not maybe going so well, there's something different inside of you. You say, you know what? I may have not had a job for the past year, but I still have joy, right? I may be in a circumstance where I don't know where my health is going to take me, but I'm in, you know, God, you're still good. I still have joy in my heart. And that's that's an amazing place to be able to be. And that's where testimonies are born. And that's where lives are really changed when you're able to share your story and say, you know what? It didn't make sense for a long time, but God brought me here and I still have joy and I'm in. I'm in on what he is doing. Following these these commands brings joy. Remaining joy, remaining produces joy through imitating Christ. And so as we close up today, you know, we're in this series, the I am series. We're going through the statements of Jesus when he says, I am blank, you know, bread, light, and now he's divine. We want to know that he is the brine, the, he is the vine and we are the branches, right? It's nothing we can do. We're only connected by him. The best we can do is be connected to the vine. We are not the vine. We are not producing. Without him, we can do nothing. And so I want you all today to recognize your dependence on Jesus today. I want you to recognize your dependence and your need for him today. Because seriously, without him, you can do nothing. Maybe in times in your life, you've tried to do things apart from him. Maybe it didn't go so well. But there were times in your life maybe where, you know, you got it right. You really, you know, you humbled yourself and said, God, I need you for this. And he was with you the entire time. You know, there's no get rich quick scheme with Jesus. There's no get rich quick. It's that daily remaining and abiding in him that bears much fruit. Again, I wish it was bada bing, bada boom, one, two, three, we're out of here. It's not like that. It's every single day on your knees in prayer, committing yourself to his word, you know, being in communion with him and loving people, loving God. Let's bear fruit each and every day. I got this. It's the word, it's love, it's love. Hold on. It's the word, it's prayer, it's love, repeat, right? Let's say that. Word, prayer, love, repeat. Ready? Word, prayer, love, repeat. I think it's as simple as that. Maybe that's, that's, your, uh, that's our formula for today. Word, prayer, love, repeat. It's not gonna be quick. You know, sometimes as I was talking to my great farmer friend, you know, he said, you know, sometimes, you know, pruning, it actually takes a couple of years for things to grow. You know, and maybe in your life, you've, you've seen that to be the case. You know, maybe there was a couple years ago, man, God, you must've been pruning me, it hurts. Pruning hurts. And I've been here for two years, but God, I'm trusting. God, I'm trusting that you're gonna produce fruit out of this. And sometimes you might be in the middle. I think a lot of you are probably in the middle of that pruning process and you're, you felt the cut. You're waiting for the fruit on the other side. 
trust God. He says, remain, 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 abide, abide, abide in me every single day of our lives. And so remain in Christ to remain secure, right? If you're remaining in Christ, you're not gonna be that vine that's cut off and just thrown away and burned. Praise God for that. Remain in Christ to remain fruitful. You know, I don't want a day or a year of my life to go by where I'm just sitting back, just wasting my life. You know, I think this passage gives us a wonderful purpose, right? To remain, 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 and we will produce fruit. I wanna be secure. I wanna be fruitful. And then and third, we're gonna be joyful if we remain in Christ. And he doesn't say just a little bit of joy. He says that your joy will be made complete, full joy. Imagine that joyful people, joyful followers of Jesus walking around, producing fruit, full of joy, realizing they can do any, nothing without our God. So this is the last thing I'm gonna say. Without Christ, you can do nothing. Without Christ, you have no life. Without Christ, there's no power, purpose, or point to life. But connection to the vine changes everything. And that's what I'm gonna leave you today. Connection to the vine changes everything, gives you a purpose, gives you power, gives you a reason to exist each and every day. That's all I got for you today. We wanna all stay remain and connected to the vine this morning. And I hope that you can say, thank you, Lord, for the vine. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to do it by myself, but you are working in me each and every day of my life. Even when it looks like I, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if there's fruit producing. I don't know if I, I'm just planting seeds at this time. He says, remain in me and you're good, right? And so why don't you just stand today as we're going to pray, as we're going to close our service. I hope that you can just say, thank you, Lord, for the vine. And so why don't you just raise your hands as we pray to the Lord as we close our service today. God, we just thank you so much that we are here today. And Lord, that we're able to hear from your word. Lord, you say that you are the vine and we are the branches. And Lord, we long to be connected to you each and every day of our life. Lord, we don't wanna be those vine, those branches that are just cut off, discarded, thrown away, burned. Lord, that's our worst nightmare. But Lord, you promise, you say, keep these commands, remain in my love and you will produce much fruit. Your joy will be complete and you will be secure and you will, you will know where you're going when your life ends. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every person here. Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, we would be more committed uh, to your word, Lord, to prayer, to loving others. Lord, as we go today, recognizing, Lord, that everything, Lord, life is in the vine and everything depends, Lord, on us remaining in you. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor for this day. And Lord, you are our God and we are here to worship you, Lord. We just say thank you for this day. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray today.